Keyless, and thanks for meeting me here deep in the uncharted tropics at the Jungle Villa Outpost. I'm your guide, Lex Gordon, and you have dialed into Renegade Files, your underground connection for covert culture, paranormal events, and stories of unexplained phenomena. This is Renegade Files Episode 20, The Forbidden History of Giants. Human history is decorated with folklore and reputed facts which tell of giants, huge beings with great strength, both friend and foe. The Bible speaks of the Nephilim, or hybrid offspring of earthly women and fallen angels, said to be giants of great stature and abilities. Tales from Jack and the Beanstalk to Beowulf cast giants as larger-than-life villains who will grind your bones to make their bread. But the world of giants is not limited to parable or fairy tales alone. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, many archaeological digs turned up massive skeletons of humans or humanoids, some of which reached 10 feet tall and taller. But the fossilized remains of these giants that are available for the public to view or even know about are scarce when we compare them to the vast numbers of documented cases of giant remains and other evidence found across places like North America, South America, Europe, Egypt, Africa, and more. In addition to the conspicuous absence of essentially all of these discoveries from the public record, the modern internet has allowed independent researchers to conclude something far more sinister may be at work beyond just an innocent lack of interest. Is it possible that the Smithsonian Institution could be engaged in a centuries-old policy to sweep under the rug any evidence that contradicts that most galvanized equation of academic sacred cows? Darwin's theory of evolution plus the superiority of modern colonial Western culture. Put on your cargo pants, field shirt, and fedora. Grab your digging gear and passport. Meet me for a pre-flight drink at Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar. Then fly with me on an adventure to discover the forbidden history of giants. 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 Part 1. Folklore or Fact? Across all continents and within every culture, giants have populated our historical oral traditions and written records. In the Bible, we read the story of Goliath, the Philistine giant who was defeated against all odds by the young shepherd David in the book of Samuel. But in this tale, Goliath was not just a big guy anomaly. Goliath was from the city of Goth which was the home of an ancient race of giants. Goliath is described as being 9 feet 7 inches tall and clad in formidable bronze armor. Greek mythology brings us the tale of Atlas, the titan who went to war with Zeus and the gods of Olympus. He was defeated and sentenced to hold up the very earth and sky forever. However, during a quest to find a cache of golden apples, The god Heracles consulted Atlas, 
I guess since Atlas was holding up the whole world, Heracles thought he might know where these apples were. Turns out he did, and Heracles offered to hold the world while Atlas ran off to get the apples for him. Atlas gathered the prized golden apples, showed them to Heracles, and was about to take them to whoever it was who had charged Heracles with finding them and I guess get Heracles out of some kind of trouble. He owed money all over town. Heracles was grateful, but he asked Atlas if he wouldn't mind holding the earth again for a few seconds before he left to run the apples to his benefactor. As soon as Atlas was holding the earth again, Heracles said, Psych! <laughs> ran off with the apples and left Atlas to hold the world for eternity. The Greek gods really are a hard bunch to trust. Irish mythology speaks of Baylor, the one-eyed giant who could kill people with one look into his eye. There's also Rungnir, the drunken Norse giant who talks so much smack after losing a horse race with Odin that Thor smashed the guy into a thousand pieces with his hammer. The Gentile are heathen giants from the Basque region of France and Spain, and here we stray into that territory that starts to blur the line between fiction and fact. The Gentile were said to inhabit the land before Christianity. They were huge, covered in hair, and extremely strong. They were fond of throwing rocks at their enemies, and they are said to have built a large number of the megalithic stone circles and constructions in that region. Another giant is Polyphemus, or the Cyclops. He's our second one-eyed giant. Japanese folklore tells of the Oni, which are hideous demon giants that are red or blue and have long horns. They like to make clothing from animal skins and their favorite meal is human. The traditional Japanese Setsuban festival in the spring is celebrated as a way to drive the Oni back to hell from where they are said to originate. The Hindus spin yarns of the giant named Kumbhakarna who was enlisted to help in a battle against Prince Rama, but he got so drunk that he stumbled around the battlefield doing more harm than good. There seems to be more than a few tales of giants who like to get drunk and cause trouble. Gog Magog is known as the last British giant. This is another legend that treads closely to historical reality. The Welsh writer Joffrey of Monmouth tells us in his book, The History of Kings of Britain, that the British Isles were once inhabited by a race of giants. The 12-foot-tall Gog Magog was so large and strong that he could pull an oak tree from the ground like a weed. At one point, a troop of giants led by Gog Magog attacked Brutus, a descendant of the Trojans, in his encampment of soldiers. The two armies fought a fearsome battle, and when the smoke cleared, only Gog Magog, Brutus, and Brutus's commander, Corneus, the founder of Cornwall, had survived. Brutus declared that the battle would be decided once and for all by a one-on-one -on -one match between Gog Magog and Corneus. Corneus suffered three broken ribs, but in the end he managed to dodge Gog Magog and trip him, sending him falling over the edge of a cliff and ridding Britain of the last giant. Part 2 Archaeological Evidence of Giants 
When I started to look into the archaeology of giants for this episode, I knew of two or three cases, but as so often happens on Renegade Files, it turns out that this story goes way deeper than I had initially thought. Now this gets fun, so let's get out the digging tools and go on an adventure to learn about the fossil evidence that takes these stories of giants out of the realm of legend and inscribes them into the very soil of the earth itself. In 2013, heavy rainstorms caused deep erosion in parts of Ecuador, and in one of the washouts, locals found a large skull and called in scientists to investigate. The resulting search uncovered more bones, and after two weeks of searching, the teams had assembled a partial skeleton of what they determined was a female who had lived at least 600 years ago and would have been 7 feet 4 inches tall. This discovery prompted a larger expedition and exploration of the area and archaeologists found five more giant skeletons, all of which were between 7 and 8 feet tall, buried in deep, well-engineered graves. And these are not the first giants to be found in Ecuador. In 1964, Father Carlos Vaca, a priest who worked with several hospitals, was summoned to examine a strange skeleton found in the mountains. Father Vaca determined that the enormous bones were from a humanoid being, but he was astonished and confused because of their immense size and he wondered if his data was perhaps in error. He called upon the services of Austrian artifact researcher Klaus Donna, who examined the bones with a team of several other scientists. They all came to the conclusion that the bones belonged to a sapien species who was over 25 feet tall and who had lived over 100,000 years ago. The Dover Mound is a Native American burial site in Kentucky. Within this mound, archaeologists found a seven-foot-tall male skeleton with an elongated skull. Similar skeletons were found in mounds in Ohio. All of these skeletons were over seven feet tall and possessed elongated skulls that resembled the head of iconic alien greys or ancient Egyptian god kings. In 1871, an archaeological dig in New York discovered 200 skeletons that were 9 feet tall and estimated to be at least 9,000 years old. At the time, the discovery was reported widely in newspapers across the country. This publicity got the attention of the Smithsonian Institution, who took a great interest in the skeletons. All 200 of the skeletons subsequently vanished, and this prompted early speculation that the Smithsonian had collected and hidden the bones away from public view, and the story of a cover-up began to emerge even as early as 1871. And enormous humanoid skeletons aren't the only archaeological evidence of giants. A century ago in South Africa, a hunter discovered a giant human-like footprint over three feet in length. If the other appendages were in average proportion to this foot size, the person who made the print would have been 25 feet tall. The footprint is in granite. 
Granite is an igneous rock formed when molten minerals cool. This cooling process is very slow, and some granite can take multiple years to fully solidify. A large enough creature can leave footprints in granite that is cool enough to walk on, but not yet fully solid. This is what has appeared to happen in the case of this giant footprint, since no chisel marks or other workmanship evidence can be seen in or around the print. This gigantic footprint is estimated to be at least 200 million years old. I'll put a picture of this giant footprint in the dark intel files on the Renegade Files Patreon page, which you can access through the link in the show notes. This is our 20th episode, which means Renegade Files has provided more running length of content than an entire season of Yellowstone, all without a single ad, all available for you to enjoy anytime, and all totally for free. You can help me keep making Renegade Files by joining the Renegade Files agency on Patreon for 5 bucks a month, which is about 1 24th of the average cable bill. You can also join for even less than that if you want, or you can donate more. Subscribing to Renegade Files on Patreon gets you bonus episodes, the Dark Intel Files, which is all of the deep research, articles, photos, videos, and documents that I gather when making each episode, transcripts of each episode, other content like the bizarre internet find posts, behind-the-scenes videos, audio of Renegade Files field excursions, virtual tours of the Jungle Villa outpost. One tier includes a free t-shirt. Another tier gets your name or alias shouted out in an episode. And I am very excited to announce that starting with episode 19, I will be giving away totally free mp3 downloads of the songs used for the background music in every Renegade Files episode moving forward. You can get all of this just by joining Renegade Files on Patreon, where you can post comments, give me ideas for episodes, interact with other RFA agents, and at the same time, help me financially be able to continue to create Renegade Files, keep it ad-free, and free for you to listen to. A small amount from you makes a big difference in my ability to do this work. Follow the Patreon link in the show notes. Thank you, and I'll see you in there. So the one-meter footprint found in South Africa isn't the only giant footprint we know of. In San Jose, California, a a two-and-a-half-meter footprint was found in rock on a ranch, and another footprint of equal size was found along a cliff ridge just outside of a nearby town. In August of 2016 in China, a veritable sidewalk of footprints was found in solid rock that is thought to have formed when whatever made the prints walked through fresh volcanic ash after a light rain, which caused the ash to solidify into a form of natural concrete and preserved the series of 24-inch footprints which would have belonged to a giant that was 13 feet tall. Perhaps one of the largest footprints ever found is located, once again, in South Africa. This four-foot-long footprint was discovered by explorers in 1912, is dated to be 200 million years old, and was made by someone over 27 feet tall. 
1931, Dr. Bruce Russell discovered a system of caves along a ridgeline in Death Valley. He and fellow explorer Daniel Bove inspected and surveyed the caves, and what they initially believed to be a small interconnection of passages turned out to be an elaborate system of 180 square miles of caverns. Within one of the chambers was a carved out and polished ritual hall, its smooth walls covered in hieroglyphics. In addition to this discovery was a burial chamber that contained many nine-foot-tall mummified skeletons. The mummies were estimated to be 80,000 years old. A San Diego newspaper reported the find, but almost immediately the story vanished, as did the many giant skeletons. As late as the 1800s, Lovelock Cave in Nevada was home to a vicious race of giants who seemed to have a taste for hunting and eating the Paiute Indians of the region. This resulted in a long, drawn-out war between the Native American tribe and the warlike cannibal giants who were said to be 10 feet tall, have red hair, and would only attack at night. Brave Paiute scouts discovered that the giants would retreat into the caves at dawn and spend the entirety of daylight hidden deep within. In an orchestrated campaign, the Paiute warriors stockpiled dried hardwood timber at secret locations near the cave's opening. Then, one morning, with the giants hiding inside, the tribesmen built a huge bonfire over the mouth of the cave and kept it burning for several days killing all of the man-eating giants once and for all. The site of this massacre was discovered by modern scientists in 1911 when local farmers were digging bat guano from the cave to be used as crop fertilizer. The farmers began to find artifacts and alerted the archaeologists of a nearby university. The scientists found 40 huge storage pits filled with items such as thousands of wooden duck decoys, fishing equipment, weapons, bark sandals measuring 15 inches long, equally large moccasins, and over 20,000 artifacts in total. The objects were dated to 2600 BCE and they also found the remains of skeletons measuring 11 feet tall. The New York Times published an article on May 4, 1912, which detailed the discovery of 18 skeletons found by the Pearson brothers near Lake Delavan, Wisconsin. These skeletons were between 8 and 10 feet tall, had skulls that were proportionally much larger than normal human skulls, they all had double rows of teeth, and six fingers and toes on each hand and foot. There are pictures of the double row teeth skulls and it is shocking to see them. You can see those on the Patreon page as well. Another very strange find that is wrapped in mystery and intrigue is a giant mummified finger which appears to be a forefinger and is 15 inches long. Sometime in the 1980s, Gregor Spori, an entrepreneur and, how should we say it, obtainer of rare antiquities met with a shady old man, an Egyptian grave robber, who showed him the gigantic appendage. 
Spory offered to buy the enormous finger, but the grave robber refused. Spory said the grave robber also had an x-ray image of the finger that showed bones inside. Spory took photos of the finger and the x-ray image. He said the old grave robber had found the finger in an undisclosed Egyptian tomb. In 2009, Spory went back to Egypt to try to track down the old man, the finger, and search for the rest of the mummified giant, which by some estimates would have been nearly 17 feet tall. But by then, Gregor Spory could find no trace of the old man, the giant finger, or even anyone who knew what had happened to either of them. The only evidence we have of the artifact are the photos taken by Spory decades ago and the pictures continue to baffle scientists. Moving out of the ancient world and into the modern day, we have an event that occurred to a team of soldiers in Afghanistan and the story of the Kandahar Giant. This story comes from a Green Beret soldier known only as Mr. K. Green Berets are not known for making up wild tales for attention. As the story goes, in 2002, an army infantry unit vanished in the hills of Afghanistan while on patrol in the Kandahar mountain range. The unit failed to call in a troops and contact message, or tick. Calling in a tick anytime troops encounter enemy fire or hostile activity is standard procedure in combat situations, and if anything, units in the field will err on the side of calling such a message in prematurely rather than putting it off. So it was highly unusual for a unit of soldiers to stop using the radio and go missing without sending such a communication. Command sent a detachment of Green Berets to locate the missing infantry unit. The Green Berets landed about four kilometers outside of the missing unit's last known location and they began to do a sweep of the area. This was hot enemy territory filled with rocks, caves, and ample ambush spots so the team was conducting their search in a hostile environment and this would have been a dangerous situation by any measure. Slow going. Difficult terrain. Apprehension. High alert. At one point, they saw what appeared to be a mountain goat trail winding up the mountainside ahead, and they ascended the trail, still in search of any signs of the missing infantrymen. At first, they saw no indication that the men had climbed the trail, but they decided to continue because they wanted to gain a view of the valley behind them from the higher vantage point the trail could provide. Maybe from above, they could look back and find some clue or sign of the missing team. They climbed the rough trail and rounded a few curves, and soon they began to encounter small bits of American military debris. A radio antenna. A glove. A broken handheld GPS housing. As they continued, they found torn pieces of uniforms and they knew from the fabrics and patches that the fabric was from the missing infantry unit. Then they found a backpack ripped apart and empty. Next, they found bones. 
At this point, the advanced training of this special forces team of Green Berets fully kicked in and they knew that what they were seeing was the evidence of an ambush. They continued up the trail, taking defensive positions, weapons aimed on the ridge lines and corners ahead as they moved in a methodical, tactical manner toward the plateau above them. They rounded the last switchback of the trail and found themselves on a wide, flat plateau strewn with more discarded and broken military gear. They saw more bones. They saw several large cave openings facing across the plateau toward the trailhead from the mountain face that formed a high wall on the far side of the trap rock shelf. They initially moved close enough to one of the caves to look inside, but the entrance had a sudden steep drop and the leader made the decision to pull back to the trail edge. As they backed away, they saw a flash of movement in one of the cave mouths and an enormous spear flew through the air to impale and instantly kill one of the soldiers. The Green Berets then watched in shock as a 15-foot-tall giant with long red hair and a long red beard burst from the cave from which the spear had come to pounce upon the dead soldier and retrieve the huge spear. He let out a roaring howl. He was dressed in filthy animal skins and looked like a true monster of old The remaining Green Beret soldiers opened fire on the giant who was dead on the ground in 30 seconds. They called into command who sent two helicopters to the location. One retrieved the men after they secured a net and rigging to the huge creature that ended up weighing 1,100 pounds. It had six toes and six fingers on each foot and hand, exactly like the 18 giant skeletons found by the Pearson brothers near Lake Delavan, Wisconsin in 1912. The Green Beret team then flew back to base and the helicopter with the giant flew to an airfield where it rendezvoused with the crew of a C-130, which is a larger military aircraft. The pilot of that C-130 said publicly that he watched crewmen at the airfield load onto his aircraft a 15-foot-tall man with long red hair and six fingers and toes. His statement was later redacted from the official record. Back at the base, the Green Beret team described the same event and creature in their after-action report. The men were then instructed to rewrite the report, so they did, and they replaced the descriptions of the giant with words like enemy, and opposing force. The report was made top secret and they never saw it again. They had to sign non-disclosure agreements and we only know the story because Mr. K broke that silence in 2016. We also have the original statement by the pilot of the C-130 who was not a member of the Green Beret team so that makes for some credibility to the whole thing for sure. An incredible story. Finally, we traveled down into my neck of the woods. 
deep in the uncharted tropics, not so far from the Jungle Villa outpost, comes a newspaper article from 1876 entitled The Giant Bones in Florida. I want to thank our Patreon, Jesse Jass, for telling me about this one. I also want to give a shout out to Renegade Files superfan Rich for giving me the idea to do this episode on giants. Thanks, man. So the reporter who wrote the story of the Florida Giants was a teacher, lawyer, and newspaper editor from Kentucky who had moved to Florida. The story tells us that rancher William Johnson returned from a cattle drive to find that his wife had discovered an enormous skeleton in a burial mound near Cypress Lake in Kissimmee. The Johnsons and other ranchers, including Jacob Summerlin, mounted an expedition to investigate the area further, and they found skeletons with skulls as large as water buckets, in their words, and being from what they called a race of gigantic stature, a royal race which stood like Saul among the prophets and towered eight feet tall. Part 3 the cover-up. For over a hundred years, modern newspapers and journals have reported the discoveries of giant skeletons and enormous footprints all over the world. I have scans of several of these old newspaper articles in the Dark Intel files, and they're really fun to read, so check them out. One newspaper photo from the late 1800s shows two men on each side of a tall coffin, opened, and containing the remains of what looks to be a mummified man at least 13 feet tall, with his arms crossed, and much of the features seem very well preserved. But this and all of the many giant skeletons have gone missing. The remaining exhibits of mound builders and the skeletons found within them are of normal-sized humans between 5 and 6 feet tall, and these exhibits are often accompanied by disclaimers that say that 6 foot tall people would have been considered giants around the shorter people of our past, but this seems like a stretch to me. Besides, the ancient accounts of giants give measurements indicating heights of 10, 15, or 20 feet tall. Just because you were 5 foot 2 doesn't mean you would think a 6 foot 3 person was 15 feet tall. So where are all of the fossilized or mummified remains of the multiple, in some cases hundreds, of giant skeletons we know to have been reported in the old days? One position held by some official sources claims that the giant skeletons were so old they crumbled to dust when exposed to air, but this seems like more nonsense, since we have dinosaur bones and we also have early photographs of some of the giants. Now this leads us into some unfortunate hoaxes that have been created and flourished on the internet. One of the main culprits is the organization called World News Daily Report, which ran a story about the Smithsonian being forced by a 2014 Supreme Court ruling to admit that they covered up evidence of giants, but there is no such ruling and the World News Daily Report is largely fiction by its own account. 
according to the World News Daily Report's own disclaimer page, the site is, quote, a news and political satire web publication which may or may not use real names, often in semi-real or mostly fictitious ways. All news articles contained within worldnewsdailyreport.com are fiction, end quote. And once again, that is printed on the website's own disclaimer page. But here we get into some very murky propaganda territory. Sites like these make fake news as a way to discredit actual alternative research. So an admittedly fake news site writes a fiction article about the Smithsonian covering up evidence of giants in the archaeological record, but publishes it in a way that appears to be genuine, and you have to do research into the backwaters of the site to find out that everything they print is a lie, but all good mass media lackeys are quite well versed in the fakery of such sites. So as soon as anyone posts a question like, where are all of the giant skeletons? This is answered with a flurry of Snopes and debunkers pointing to the fake news sites making fake giant cover-up Supreme Court ruling articles, but that still doesn't answer the question. We have numerous reports of giant skeletons, huge footprints, and enormous skulls with two rows of teeth. We have old photographs of these discoveries. But we have none of these artifacts on display that we can go and see. Why? We have dinosaur bones. We even have paper documents from the Old Kingdom Egyptians. But not a single skeleton of a 15-foot Native American, even though by some accounts, hundreds of those have been found. We do know that in 1883, the Smithsonian did send a dispatch of archaeologists to the West Virginia mountains, and there they excavated the South Charleston Mound Complex, which consists of 50 burial mounds. In the Smithsonian's report, they described finding many giant skeletons as large as 7.5 feet tall, one of them surrounded by a circle of 10 other such giant skeletons, one having a skull with a large flat portion at the top of its head. So where are these giant skeletons? We don't know. And that is not fake news. This brings us to another debacle, which are the fake pictures of more than giant skeletons and skulls that have made the rounds of the internet for some time now. What happened was this. The website Design Crowd posted a graphic design contest and the subject was Giants Among Us. I think they have since held a Giants Among Us Part 2 contest. This resulted in a few really convincing Photoshop images of people digging out enormous skeletons at archaeological sites. These are the ones where you see skulls the size of Volkswagen Beetles. Those are fake, but they were grabbed by users on the internet, hitched to some snippets from fake news articles like the World News Daily Report Smithsonian fiction stories, and an internet legend was born. But once again, let us remember that this doesn't mean that the Smithsonian has never covered anything up. I mentioned these Photoshop giant pics so you can be more informed as you cruise the web. 
Also, recall that there are actual photos from those early newspaper reports of skeletons that are gigantic. No one can explain where those skeletons have gone and few people dispute their authenticity. My summary. Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of an Englishman. Stories of giants fill our collective myths. Such legends persist for a reason. They are deeply ingrained into our subconscious and they speak to us on an evolutionary level. The giants that populate our folklore personify both the best of us and the worst of us. They are our largest, strongest, most physically capable warriors. They are the heroes that hold up our very world. And they are the monsters that come to devour us, to grind our bones to make their bread. The ancient Sumerians invented civilization as we know it by developing writing, congressional government, irrigation, agriculture, and among other things, beer. They depicted the sun as the center of our solar system in their records from 6,000 years back, which is a fact that eluded European scientists until a mere 300 years ago. They also knew about Pluto, which we did not discover until the 1930s. The Sumerians said that all of this knowledge came to them from heaven-sent beings called the Anunnaki, which were a race of advanced beings said to be gigantic in nature. The Sumerian stories of giants from other planets that brought knowledge to Earth is not unique and we find similar tales in the ancient traditions of Africa, Australia, Egypt, and North America. These stories are always framed as myth and folklore by modern Western scientists, and you have to ask yourself why. The reason is, I believe, partly because if there were civilizations that were more advanced than we are now, but that existed thousands of years in the distant past, then that calls into question the entire framework that our sacred history of evolution and the uninterrupted upward march of humanity is built upon. We see that many of the cases you and I have investigated here on Renegade Files begin to overlap. The forbidden archaeology of giants in North America is marginalized and covered up for some of the same reasons that the highly advanced precision artifacts from ancient Egypt are attributed to the copper chisels of the Old Kingdom pharaohs. We've done two episodes on ancient Egypt, so go back and check those out. The status quo becomes a powerful motivator and the truth suffers. The Sumerians tell us that the Anunnaki came from the planet Nibiru and they mated with female earthlings and that their offspring were even larger in stature than the giant Anunnaki themselves. The Bible tells us the same story in one account from Moses which reads, When the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, they took them to wife. Later, out of the body's womb, giants came. These accounts are describing a natural phenomenon known as hybrid vigor. Hybrid vigor is a biological defense mechanism that occurs when members of two different species breed, 
and the resulting offspring is larger, stronger, and often more aggressive than either of its two parents. This happens because in nature, if two different species are forced to interbreed, it's usually because either isolation or lack of resources has caused a shortage in breeding population. So in other words, times are tough, so the offspring is larger and stronger in order to have a better shot at survival. It may not account for every instance of giants across the globe, but it does make a convincing case for some situations. Personally, I don't believe every picture I see on the internet, but I do believe bones, verified mummies, and archaeologists who carbon date skeletons. When these experts find and record remains of people that were 10, 15, 20, or 25 feet tall, who left three foot long footprints, and who had two rows of teeth and skulls shaped like Nefertiti's, it piques my curiosity. I am very much interested in the story of the Green Berets and the giant in the mountains of Afghanistan and I'd love to dig deeper into that story to see if I can find anything else about it. That story is direct testimony of a cover-up. As for other cover-ups, remember that the Smithsonian Institution is ultimately a governmental agency. It was originally called the United States National Museum. It is one of the coolest things our country has ever created. It consists of 19 museums, 21 libraries, 9 research centers, and maintains 200 facilities in 45 states. All of the museum's 300 million annual visitors are allowed in at no charge, and it is a national treasure of knowledge, history, and education. But like any large governmental agency, it is bound to have its fair share of agenda, politics, and mystery surrounding it. The conspicuous absence of a subject as interesting as the archaeological remains of giants begs explanation, or at least inspires inquiry. Thank you so much for exploring the forbidden history of giants with me. Follow Renegade Files so we can do it again in 10 days. Be sure to add your favorite Renegade Files episodes to your paranormal or conspiracy playlists, which helps others find the show. I am thrilled to have you in the Renegade Files crew. If you know someone else who would like what we do here, send them a link to our website, therenegadefiles.com which you can copy from the show notes. From there, they can find us anywhere they listen to podcasts. The first full moon of spring is upon us this week, which means the pagan holiday of Ostara will soon arrive to celebrate new life and the fresh wonders of spring. Time to dance around the bonfire, raise a glass of cheer, and search the night skies for UFOs with your friends. Until our next adventure, I'm your host, Lex Gordon. Stay wild, undercover child. <laughs>